0: what is up everybody welcome to the stack i'm alex i'm justin i'm pete and on the stack we talk about a bunch of comics that came out this week and we're going to kick it off with a big one the other history of the dc universe number one from dc comics story by john ridley layouts by giuseppe camancoli finishes by andrea cucci so you could probably figure it out by the title here, as well as the cover. Uh, but this is obviously an alternate look at the DC Universe, mostly through the eyes of Black Lightning, at least in this first issue. We'll see where it goes in subsequent issues. As he slowly works through his career, sees himself and other characters of color kind of pushed to the side of the DC Universe in favor of other characters like Superman, Batman, uh, Green Lantern, learns something about himself, learns something about history, um, and mostly... It's told uh, through the images, of course, but also uh, told through prose. I don't think there's really any dialogue whatsoever in this issue uh, other than the, what's told in the narration boxes. Um, I thought this was pretty stunning and almost like a cross. This is probably too reductive, but a cross between a new frontier and the mm. truth in a certain way. Um, oh, yeah. What do you guys think about this book?
1: Uh, I thought it was really touching, v- very powerful and moving, which was great. I really love the like little Halloween thing that was beautiful. I, I-, I just, yeah, I was re- I was really happy to see this comic. I'm glad that this comic was made. It's a long time coming, and I hope we get to see more of this. Uh, this is just great storytelling.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, just the the format, the art is so nice. It feels such like such a statement it feels like such a uh it sort of has this uh silver age vibe to it which i think gives it this uh historical precedent it just feels so like something that'll that will be uh, on the shelf and in the conversation for a long time and then like the the otherness of it like the way that this that black lightning story keeps getting told um with the justice league and the glossier heroes as a counterpoint i think is Is really interesting and uh, like you said, Alex, the fact that um, uh, he and just uh, all the other like uh, black superheroes and and black characters in this book get shoved to the side um, uh, throughout like that really – you really feel it throughout and feel that drive for what makes uh, Black Lightning Black Black Lightning.
0: I – cannot even imagine what it is like to read this book as a comic fan of color, necessarily, obviously, because I am white. But speaking as a white comic book reader, it is very hard to read from the perspective of... Black Lightning looking at the other characters. And I don't know if you have this feeling, but I'm reading this and I'm like, but Superman's not like that. That's not what Superman's like. That's not Batman. And you feel, I felt these walls kind of building in me. Oh, um, look at you. You felt uh, attacked. Well, I not attacked. Attacked is absolutely the wrong word. But this feeling of trying to wrap your brain around how somebody else feels about these sort of things uh, is hard to do, and that's I think part of the point of the book. Because by the end, you do get Jefferson Pierce starting to understand. A little bit more of the War at wider world bring down some of those walls himself and accept these things while still understanding that his experience is ultimately going to be intrinsically different uh, from a lot of other characters in this universe, so it really brings you in in that way as well, and like you said, Pete, there are multiple times I got choked up just almost hitched, like, is the best word for it, when something just snuck up on you in the book, these moments of strong emotion um, throughout, which I was very surprised about. And then the other thing you were mentioning about the art, Justin, feels almost Neil Adams-like to me, yeah. it, without mm-hmm. being exaggerated, which I thought was kind of neat.
2: Yeah, uh, totally agree. It's, it's it's a great book. I And there, I think there are, what, uh, four more issues, and this is mm-hmm. coming out bi-monthly, I want to say.
0: Yeah, I'm very wait. curious. I haven't read ahead about it, but I'm very curious to see whether it follows Black Lightning's story throughout, which would make sense, and it's essentially a Black Lightning book, or if it's going to switch perspectives in issue I, two. I
2: think it jumps around a little bit and touches on different characters. But what another thing about this, the amount of continuity that is touched on here, and really like... Owning, uh, owning it um, when it's like some of it is like ridiculous, but really making it a part of this very real story, I think is great. There's a, a Reagan pin with the Watchmen blood splatter on it, which I thought was very cool.
0: Yeah. Great book. Definitely pick this one up. Next up, Monstrous Talk Stories, number one, from Image Comics, written by Marjorie Liu, illustrated by Sina Takata. Um, I gotta admit, I have not read Monstrous in a while, even though I really enjoy this book. The art is consistently gorgeous. But this takes place in a fantasy world with some half- um personas, I guess I would call them. Yeah, uh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Great yeah.
1: use of that word that just came <laughs> up. That was really organic and natural. Thank you so much, Pete. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh Tip but in this the book, uh, we find a backstory on one of the characters. Um, it's sweet, it's sad, it's harrowing, the character designs are great. Um, I like this book quite a bit. Uh, what'd you guys think?
2: I agree. I like this a lot. Uh there's some fun cooking. Um the, the cooking is really used as a great uh, moment in this story. Um, and this reminded me, I mean, it's such a... When I was a kid, first, like, the sort of furry ears on a human head uh, was in Super Mario Brothers 3. That mm-hmm. uh, was the first time I encountered that. And to know that that's such a thing, I was like, what an w- interesting thing. And to know that's such a thing in, uh, in manga and everything was... Uh, was a revelation
0: and now here we are three guys sitting in our own tanuki
1: suits recording a podcast
0: 100%. wow Yeah.
1: Uh, well it's you metaphor. know they br- they bring up an interesting question what's your favorite meal you've ever had I mean I think that's a great great question to kind of put out there yeah, I and which, also, gar- I think which garbage plate do you like the most <laughs> also the the art and the storytelling is really superb uh, it's art is very, very uh, complicated kind of cool story that we're kind of thrown into here and uh, it's really cool uh, let's We on and talk about power pack number one from Marvel Okay, yeah. by or Ryan. You Nor- can ignore my question. That's cool. That's oh, cool. oh, you were asking favorite about the best meal we ever
0: had? Favorite yeah. meal you've ever had, yeah. Favorite meal. Uh mm-hmm. did you offer up your
1: favorite meal or did Justin just say garbage plate? You're like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. No, Justin <laughs> just made a joke about garbage plates, but you know, that wasn't anybody nobody's answered it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, Do you want me to go?
0: No, I can go. Uh right. so on my honeymoon, uh, we went to... Ooh. Yeah, on my honeymoon. Uh, we went to London and Paris, and particularly in Paris, we were like, you know what? We're not going to look at any guidebooks. We're going to wing it. We're just going to, like, we're not going to wow. make any reservations. We're just going to wander around. We're going to find places. And we consistently made the worst choices in terms <laughs> of restaurants. Just, like, absolutely uh, just the tourist trap and just not good spots. And it the was obvious as soon as we sat in there, we were like, oh, this is, oh, this is bad. Bad. One of the last. Look, I days, heard Paris
2: TGI Fridays is actually very, one of the best yeah. ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, they actually call it TGI Fridays. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I wow. couldn't think of any I of the really French words. You oh, merci. That. It's a uh, MGI Fridays. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we were having a t- not. A, we were having a great time, but eating not great food, which you would expect in Paris. Uh, and one of the last days, one of the things that we really liked to do was just like get some lunch, and sit down at the Louvre in the park outside, which is this beautiful park, and just eat the lunch. And we uh, stumbled across this place called Maison de Truff, which is a ridiculously expensive uh, truffle, black truffle restaurant. Mm. Um, And everything in there, insanely expensive. We could not afford to sit down and eat. But they had a to-go thing outside. And the cheapest thing that they had was a baguette with some uh, truffle butter and sausage on it, and then a tiny little thing of champagne, just like this big. And there was a sack of things which we called basically fancy combos because they're essentially <laughs> just like little wafers with cheese inside. And we took those and sat at the Louvre and had this meal. And I it was the best meal I had in Paris, hands down. Wow. But also one of the best meals I've ever had. Just everything was wow. ridiculously delicious. There you go. Aww. That's great, great answer. And you're gonna... still married to this day? No, we got divorced. Yeah. That was my first wife. Oh, yeah, the wife bad, we
2: don't talk about. Bad. The my French bad. woman he married for lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, uh, people get married for all sorts of reasons. I, you know, lunch is, uh, you know, you, lunch is I'm a good one. Yeah,
2: yeah. You, your eyes are bigger than your stomach, uh, maritally. Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give it up for my mom's taco dip. Ooh. um uh very good um just, i'm also uh, some...
0: gonna give it up for your mom's talking to oh, <laughs> oh
1: my god what just happened
0: wow oh,
2: um oh my but god. i'll go i'll go international as well with alex um i was in japan i was traveling by myself and um i was hiking i got off the uh shinkansen uh bullet train right mm. at the near mount fuji and we'll just wandered around it was january it was very cold i would he was not dressed appropriately. There's a guy who was selling some sort of soup at a stand just like on this side road. Got that soup, ate it sitting on like a rock. Great meal. Nice. Wow. Nice.
1: Uh, so uh, I'll share, too, uh, the uh, travel one and the regulation one. Um, there is this, uh, seafood place, uh, outside of Pauly's Island in South Carolina and it's called Frank's. I don't think it's there any longer. And they named it Frank's because, uh, three chefs went in, uh, to create this restaurant. And one of the chefs name was Frank. And when it was time to sign the deal, this guy, Frank, completely disappeared and left them. Uh, But they started the restaurant anyway. And they had this amazing uh, blackened mahi-mahi. And in the kind of like bar area um, where we were hanging out as a family, um, I played my dad for my dinner in this little ring game. It's like a giant ring attached to a, a fish line. Oh, yeah. and uh And I won the game, and uh got to order anything I wanted off the menu, so it was pretty it was pretty cool and that uh that was it was really delicious so i don 't know if it was extra good because I won, but it was really quite yeah good. I think
2: the meal you had that day was victory
1: yeah. <laughs> uh but in uh, costa rica um uh I had gone through a lot of crazy events where um uh, I was uh dating this person uh, i wasn 't dating him uh, we were we were kind of there together on this trip and then uh she got uh robbed and then I was meant to uh, went to go meet up with my other friends and we went on this kind of like tour of the sanctuary and these monkeys robbed this couple that I was with, and <laughs> I had to uh, uh I I was didn't like they were going to kind of like uh, uh, pay for me for a little bit uh, because I was low on funds. I spent a lot of money early drinking. You know what that's like, Justin. And um, get the all inclusive. Yeah. And so uh, I was kind of just I had nothing to do. So I was just kind of walking around Costa Rica. And I stumbled across this place called the Sunset Hotel. And I walked around the corner and uh, right like. There, as the sun is setting, is this Italian dude, and I was like, I walked around the corner, and this guy goes, hey, how you doing? And he made me a fresh pizza, and it was phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Man,
0: there were so many different places that story could have gone. I was not predicting the end of it. Costa Rican pizza. There (laughs) was a point when I thought maybe your uh, thing was going to be you ate the monkeys for vengeance. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not above it. The new you had that day was Vengeance. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that reviews that comic book. Yeah, Next up definitely. Power Pack Number One from Marvel, written by Ryan North, art by Nico Leon. Uh, this is tying into the much belated outlawed event where all the teen heroes in the Marvel Universe are not allowed to practice superheroism. Uh, but it's also bring back together Power Pack for the first time in a while in their new iterations. Uh, I do think very smartly they age them down quite a bit in this book. Um, yeah. They've been aged up to be like, we're cool teens and some of us are adults and it's a little unclear. So bring them back to basics while not ignoring the continuity is very smart. And this is Ryan North. It's very funny. It's fun. It feels like old Pirate Pack. It's meta and winky throughout i enjoyed this book quite a bit but i'm also definitely in the tank for it what was your guys
1: takes uh there was my favorite part is we interrupt this broadcast of jazz for middle class dinner parties to bring you breaking news that was really funny ryan north's Um, a
2: funny writer it's great to see him on this book um i i put him in the same bucket as like mark russell as like anytime you see them on the book like it's it's consistently funny which is hard
0: yeah Yes, so I interrupted you, Pete. You can finish. No, that was the only positive thing Pete wanted to say. Justin, what did you think about this one?
2: No, I loved it. Uh, it was great, super fun. Power Pet kids are fun, especially with uh, the comedic angle. The art's very good. I'm curious how this outlawed event um, is going to play out. It does feel super disjointed, and it's sort of the same thing over and over again where these teen heroes suddenly are arrested. So. I feel like this will be a fun version of it.
0: Yes, I agree. Uh, next up, the Department of Truth, number three from Image Comics, written by James Town Fourth, art by Martin Simmons. Uh, in this issue, we're continuing to follow our conspiracy fighters, is I guess what we can call them. Uh, basically, conspiracy theories aren't real, but if you believe hard enough, they will become real. In this one, they are tackling gun control and crisis actors uh, and false flags and things like that. And, man, it's very well done, very hard to read at points. But just like the main characters find it themselves, uh, there's a lot of conflicting emotions that go on here, I think.
2: I love this book so much. I agree with you completely, Alex. And this issue especially, like, there's so much reality in this comic like in uh, the hard part is i don't know how many people who read this have know about all these conspiracy theories and the insanity that is spun around them um this one i happen to know a lot about because i worked on a show called the opposition with jordan klepper which was about this uh, jordan was playing this conspiracy driven uh host and so we dealt a lot in this world and alex jones who this book is this issue is sort of like uh, drawing upon who's like a very uh bad uh grifter person um we had to do so much paying attention to him as he descended into this madness um so this was especially i I was like uh, i was like reliving all of the actual news stories that were happening back like three four years ago
1: yeah, uh, this is really cool. It's it's very interesting artistically. It's really really impressive what they're doing here with the different art styles meshing. Um, it is a little tough to kind of understand what is happening a little bit, um, uh, but I um, I didn't appreciate the the kind of like oh I took improv classes so I'm good at lying. I thought that was a little heartbreaking. But no, so just just to clarify, what's happening is.
0: Probably, as far as we can tell, in real life, this woman's son was killed in a school shooting. Yes. Then this organization, Black Hat, which we don't know why, but it's teased that we're going to find out a lot more next issue, is trying to make conspiracy theories come to life. They drop off a film that whether it's uh, fabricated or it's real or whatever it is, that seems to convince this woman that not only is her son alive, but he may be but she may actually be an actor who is an improv actor. So the entire thing was faked and it starts to change the reality around her. So she doesn't know what's real and she doesn't know it's faked. And what I think it does really nicely emotionally, particularly through the art, as you mentioned, is it plays on this idea of this fractured psyche that uh, you, I imagine you're going through when you deal with unimaginable uh, tragedy, like the death of a child.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that this uh, the the premise of the book that these consp- this group is uh, uh, is able to manifest these conspiracy theories when she gets this flash drive with these uh, these facts these alternative facts on them. It, this book is so smart. It's so current. It's just one of my favorites on the stands right now.
0: What happens when a robotic overlord imprisons a rant god and a humble narcissist? You get this week's sponsor of Comic Book Club, the Just Been Revoked podcast. Join Chris G., Tom Legacy, and Mr. Race as they discuss the origins, the ends, and everything in between of all things film. Episodes are released weekly on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Looking for a film podcast that has fun and doesn't take things too seriously? Then check them out at JustBeenRevoked.com. Let's move on and talk about Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Multiverse Who Laughs. Number one from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, James Town of the Fourth, Joshua Williamson, Patton Oswald, Amanda Connor, and Jimmy Pambiati, Saladin Ahmed, and Brandon Thomas. Art by Juan Gideon, Chad Hardin, Scott Eaton, and Thomas Mandrake. So, this is an anthology uh, The Robin King is telling, uh, basically saying, blah, 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 you've heard all of these dark versions of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman before. How about a couple of other dark multiverses? What would you think about that? So we get to see three of them in this book. Uh, what do you think about this comic?
1: Well, you know, it's a collection of stories. So like some of them are a little better than others, but it's fun. It's like, you know, the Condiment King and all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, I, I thought the, it's interesting enough. It's definitely like uh, turning it up like the uh, dark metal stuff has been doing. So death metal stuff has been doing. So I thought this was kind of a cool uh book to put out as far as like hey we're going to kind of like let some other writers get uh do some stuff on this and yeah
2: uh yeah it's a good mix um I really liked the first a bit the Scott Snyder sort of um just bucket of like random uh worlds where bad things happen to our favorite heroes and the Pan Oswald story I thought was great um fun sort of uh Mr. Zaz, right is the uh the villain here, and like what yeah. it's like for him um, trying to uh, be the cool villain in Arkham and the consequences of that. It was, it was cool.
0: I this is definitely in my mind one of the lesser books in this event. Everything else feels yeah. so necessary and interconnected. Um, I love the idea of having else worlds that follow not the big three that follow just more side stories, and I'd love to see more of that. Um, but overall, I thought this comic book was fine. Uh, I think to your point, I like the Robin King stuff. I thought Jimmy Paibianaldi and Amanda Cotter, of course, put together a fun story. Um, but uh, just so you know, I usually do but, they usually do. They usually do. it does do. not
1: feel like something you necessarily
0: need to read to understand the. It's a event.
1: little bit of the lighter side. Yeah, it's yes. just a fun. Exactly. Yeah, it's a fun collection of ideas. It's like a and little, little Dave
2: Barry novel.
0: Right. <laughs> That's what I'd say as well. <laughs> Nell Biter returns number seven from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art yeah. by Mike Henderson. Uh, Here we're literally getting into the beat of the issue as they delve further into Buckaroo, into this game that's being played by the new Buckaroo Butchers. Uh, and we get a bunch of psychedelic stuff, a trip to the past, some revelations, some promise of future revelations. I'm really enjoying what they did with this series, and it feels entirely
1: different with from what they did with the previous one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really creative. Uh, the art's fantastic. Uh, they do such a good job of pulling you into this world and kind of like with their storytelling. And I, I just was really impressed with this. Um, uh, it does a good enough job or moving the story enough where you know a little bit about what's happening, uh, to kind of follow along and not feel like, oh, I don't get it, you know? Uh, it walks that kind of crazy line really well. Um, but man, just the art and the characters are just insane in all the right ways. Um, the use of, like, blood rain and then that skull who's just, like, puking blood on the pyramid is just insane. Yeah, I
2: love the sort of dream sequence um, aspect of this book. It feels so deliberate um, to yeah. have come right now, sort of like, Seeding out a bunch of like wild ideas that then they can call upon going forward. The art's so good. Like, I've been a huge fan of Birthright, also by Joshua Williamson. And this feels like if you read that and haven't read Nailbiter, like, it's definitely worth getting in on Nailbiter.
1: Oh, man, that's what I should have said for that uh, lock and key question. Oh, on the live show? right? would have been great. Messed yeah. up, man. Messed up. Next up,
0: this is what yeah. I put on the stack to make Pete feel a little bit better. Daredevil number 24 from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Mike Hawthorne. Um, Pete, you're, you're not in your head. No, do you not feel better after this comic book?
1: Well, this is a rough issue, man. I was so excited... Uh, that we got uh, Daredevil in our stack, but then, of course, it's you know a sad issue. And I was like, oh, why? this is why Zalvin put nope, this in. No, 100% not. Foggy is funny Foggy's bad at his and, job. Uh, you know, What's different
2: the- about the usual? It feels like pretty status <laughs> quo for our man, Mr.
1: No, this is not status quo. Also, there's too many people who look like Daredevil. I don't know what the fuck is going one, on.
2: His twin?
0: Sure. Uh, So Daredevil is on trial for murder, something that he is willingly doing. Uh, We also get, which I thought was interesting and I want to get your beat on, a uh, kingpin shower scene in this (laughs) issue. How would you feel about that? That's something fans have been asking for for a long time. You got to truly see the kingpin here.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. I mean, they always do that in the comics with the well-placed, you know, like steam or fog. It's a little foggy. do in my shower. The, uh...
2: Yeah, in my shower, Foggy Nelson is standing in front of my um, <laughs> my genitals all the
1: time. <laughs> that's, that's smart. That's um, smart.
0: Uh, I thought this was really good, and I loved where this ended up, Justin. I
2: agree. Um, I like uh, Chipsedarski's really bringing all of the daredevil characters um, that sort of have the most emotional stakes here together. Um, you got your Typhoid Mary, your Kingpin. Um, uh, we don't see. Uh, Many other of Daredevil's love interests, but only because they're dead. Uh, but his current love interest, um, we see Electra here. Um, uh, Foggy, his, uh, I guess, friend, frenemy in a lot of ways.
1: Fuck you. That's his, that's his friend. That what, I'm like excited shit. to see
0: where this goes going forward uh, because it has the potential to really redefine yeah. the Marvel universe. How
1: do you
2: feel about Daredevil wearing yeah. a suit and his costume? That's pretty weird. Right? Yeah, that
0: was weird, right? That's like when Nightwing wears a mask over his mask, and I'm like, choose one, buddy. Yeah. That's fine. Nah,
2: unnecessary for both. The suit over the suit feels, yeah. uh, in a very serious issue, it feels like goofy.
1: hmm It also, does. Also, how much it is does. he sweating? A, he's got a stink a real bad. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's like a fake turtleneck situation where he doesn't have the full suit on. Right. I, I, I thought that. I thought he was just part. wearing
0: the mask, but he's wearing the gloves as well.
1: It's the full suit, man. It's the full
0: suit. Yeah, double suit. Double suit's a lot. Undiscovered Country, number 10, from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Kimicoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. In this issue, we find out a whole lot more about Unity the second zone of America As well as what happened in the past As things rapidly start to fall apart There, it was a pretty horrific reveal At the end of the issue It makes a lot of sense um, This is great, and I think we've been Saying this a lot about this arc But I finally feel kind of like I understand What's going on in this book, and that makes me feel ah, a lot and better And
2: it's interesting because I don't quite know The story is just as complex There's even more happening because our characters Have split up a little bit But what I think I it makes more sense is this arc is using more of, um, like, a metaphor in, in describing America. So I feel like that gives us a baseline mm-hmm. to really um,
0: understand the different
2: <laughs> how the different aspects are coming
0: together. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I didn't really think about it until you said it like that. But thinking about it, I was like, what does destiny, the first zone, mean to me? Well, you know, giant antler man ride on sharks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Versus here, the idea that, like, everybody is joining together, finding uh, unity uh, through the shared belief in science. Yes, that works a lot better. It's a lot
1: easier to hook into, even if it's... a Yeah, but there's you know. also giant whale sharks still in still giant too, whale so. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's yeah. just as many crazy also, specifics, ma-
2: but it, it's all under this one narrative line, I feel like. that's a little cleaner.
1: Yeah. Under one nation. Um I, I love the uh, man-at-arms shout-out, a little He-Man love in there. That was just great. It was fun to see. Um, yeah, I do. With each issue, i become a little less confused, which is great. Um, the art and the character designs are just phenomenal. Great kind of like last-page reveal. Uh, this con- This continues to be a very interesting, very well-done book. Um, I'm just happy now that we're kind of getting a little bit more of a grasp on uh, what's actually happening.
0: I, I don't want to call you out, Pete, but I feel like you've been confused about every issue that we've talked about in the stack this week. Was there <laughs> any we talked about that you were not confused about?
1: Huh. Huh. We should say you got hit on the head yeah, with an yeah, anvil yeah. right
2: before you read the stack. right?
1: Oh, uh, that's true. You think that affects <laughs> <laughs> you think that affects Chew? I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't affected by Chew. all right I was confused. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that one in a moment then. That's good. Uh, okay, and well. Unkindness of
0: Ravens, number three from Boob Studios, written by Dan Pinozzi and illustrated by Marianna Ignazzi. Uh, this is another one where we're getting to kind of the meat of everything that's going on. Uh, we have a new kid. You're Really hungry. What? You're really hungry. I keep talking about Un- meat. sweet, delicious, savory. Mm-hmm. meat mm. uh yeah, no uh, uh, we're getting to the heart of the issue. How about that? Mm. Is that better? I love eating go. heart mm-hmm. uh, where we're finding uh, out more delicious. about this town that our main character has moved to, the warring factions, what's going on behind the scenes. I continue to really like this book
2: I agree i I said this um on the live show this week, but like this feels like such a, if you're a fan of the Sabrina um, TV series on Netflix. Um, uh, which is not coming back for a little bit and you want something to fill the gap. Um, this book is great. It also feels like a good, if you're a fan of Lock and Key, which we talk about a lot, this feels like a nice spiritual successor to that book. It's just the characters are really fun. The art is great. There's this sense of dread um, hovering over everything. And uh, I don't really know. It's hard to predict where their story's going. It's witchy in the right ways and uh, sort of archy uh, Archie in the right ways as well.
1: Yeah, uh, art's great. It's really fun. It's kind of nice that we're getting into this world and what's going on, uh, and I think uh, in a cool way that doesn't make me frustrated or confused about what's happening. Um, but I think it's uh, it's it's very cool with like hinting at what happens and then they kind of reveal like the whole part where we're seeing these crows and then one is shot and then we kind of get to see that really impressed with that i'm uh i think it's a very cool story i'm excited to see how this is going to unfold and whether or not it's going to be like a a really uh, great comic that we hold up stands the test of
0: time We'll see. Uh, next up, Last God, number 10 from DC Comics, written created and written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Ricardo Frederici. Uh, this issue, we find out some big revelations about what happened back in the day at the Black Stare. Uh, we find out more about what's happening in the present. Uh, and it looks like some bad things are coming for our heroes or maybe are already there. Uh, what'd you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, this... Really starts off amazing. We got some great action, some cool-ass dragon shit. Cool-ass dragon shit. And then there's just a lot of of talking and then feelings and then stuff. But starts off really good. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think this is a very creative, cool book.
2: Uh, I like this book a lot. The art is so lush and uh, just beautifully done. Um, It feels like a classic fantasy story. Uh, You know, you'd get, like one little drawing on the on the cover or something this feels like it's the that full art in that same style for the whole story which is great and what i love about it is really plays with the tropes of legacy in fantasy books where it's like the great heroes from the past and now it's this generation's turn to fight and this says oh maybe what if the first generation wasn't great Um, how does that Mm -hmm. influence everything and it's just a, a smart take and a beautiful book
0: I agree. Uh, next up, the books that did not confuse Pete. Chew number five from Image Comics, written by John Lehman and art by Dan Boltwood. This is the end of the first arc here, as uh, the two chews are facing down. All of Saffron's crimes have been revealed,
1: and, uh, and uh, things uh, do not go what, necessarily how you might expect. Yes, Pete? What's great is they picked up right where they yeah. left off last mm-hmm. issue, you know. There's nothing worse than when you kind of build up to the standoff and then you cut away from it to have backstories, some shit. So this Ooh, was really great. that you, really or the great.
0: Continuity Police coming for you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Book it. Get out of there. They're, they're uh, going to yeah, have a I lot of questions go, yes. that I, I think you uh, might be confused
2: about answering. Let me be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, boy. Yeah, I like this. This is great kind of standoff brother-sister stuff. I, it's, this is really cool. Arts fantastic, and it's it's nice because it's it still feels like in the Chew world, uh, the Chew universe also feels a little Chuniverse. different. Good. good, good, good. Yeah, the yeah. Chew universe. Also, did you guys see the uh, just like it looked like a country a monkey riding a smoking lizard uh, walking by when she got out of jail? Oh. I think that I, I that. think
2: that was actually um, in your apartment beyond the edge of the comic book. <laughs>
1: No, it's there. I had to double check it, and also it looks like Sonic, the Hedgehog, was like just shot outside the prison. It's really cool if you look at the back right, background Pete. stuff.
0: Huh.
2: Wow. Um, yeah. I like this book a lot. I was not a Chew uh, reader of the original series, and this is
0: yeah. Not you a weren't chewer. a
2: Chew head. Um, uh, I really like this though. It makes me want to go back and maybe read mm-hmm. Chew because this is very good, very fun, and. I really like the character of Saffron. Um, the way that this story sort of positions the next move going forward, I think was, is
0: great. I agree. Uh, next up, we're going to get into it here. We're going to talk about our final <laughs> X of swords block
1: as this big event. 22 part event <laughs> is wrapped up here with three issues. Can we- what Pete? Can't we just like finish off the stack before we get into this giant argument here? Sure, we can jump ahead. I had put the scumbag up last to like space out the image comics, but let's talk about
0: the scumbag <laughs> number two in Image Comics, written by okay, Rick Remender, art my by bad. Andrew Robinson. Uh, this is about the worst man in the world. Is the only one who could save the world. We find out more about him and his powers. He got it. He injected himself with some stuff. We can save the world here. Uh, This is uh, very much positioning that there is no right way to go as we have a terrible guy needs to stop some potentially more terrible guys from doing some terrible stuff. Uh, Just a fun book. Just a fun book. Doing some light political commentary here. Yes. Uh, So good.
2: Rick Remender writes people who fuck up better than anybody. Like this feels like a great uh, successor to Fear Agent, um, one of uh, Rick's first mm-hmm. books that we loved way back in the day. Um, and the art by Andrew Robinson is so good. It's so like sort of 1970s uh, animated uh, influenced, it feels like to me. And I, I think it's uh, just a fun Book that has some real, like a lot of remember's book has some real commentary underneath, a bunch of jokes, and characters just uh, screwing up.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. The arts, uh, like gross, but also light. It's it's really interesting the way they kind of walk this line of like you hate this guy, but you're also rooting for him. Um, yeah, I think it's it's very well done very creative rick remender uh is does a, a fun balance of like tripped out but also like uh not too tripped out where you kind of feel like it that's all it's doing i i'm just really impressed with there's a lot going on in this comic there's a lot being kind of dealt with and uh it does it seamlessly in a way that's fun and moving the story forward and it doesn't feel rushed. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm impressed with this book. I'm excited to see how Rick Remender is going to break our hearts with some of these characters because uh, he always does. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun to talk to him about them about this uh, yes. next week. Yeah, there you go.
0: All right, for real now, we're going to wrap up with our X of Swords block. X-Men, number 15, from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman and Mahmoud Azrar. Art by Mahmoud Azrar. Uh, Excalibur, number 15, written by Tini Howard. Art by Mahmoud Azrar and Stefano Caselli. And finally, X of Swords, or Ten of Swords, Destruction, number one, written by Jonathan Hickman and Tini Howard. Uh, art by Pepe Liraz. Uh Now, before we talk about this, uh, we should really talk about how hard everybody worked. And how we never want to put down the amount of work that people put into it. Yes. Um, uh, They drew this. They wrote this. There were editors who we really like who worked on this. um, Assistant editors, people who printed it, the staples very nice in the book, and somebody had to put the yeah, in this
1: there. came together fast and uh, they got it all done on time. There was any delays, it's pretty impressive what they put there together. There you go, and that's our review of X
0: of <laughs> I like this event, I thought it was fun and good, and I love where it turned up. Uh, it uh, we talked about this before, but. A lot of this was Saturnine in the background, manipulating the situation to get it into a place where she got almost everything that she wanted, as we find out about the end. and I, The one thing that hitches me up a little bit is I don't care about world that much, just as yeah. a comics continuity and comic book fan. So having everything pivot on that... Uh, brought it down emotionally for me a little bit versus having a pivot on the X-Men themselves. Uh, But I do like the moves that they made here. Uh, I like where Apocalypse ended up. I thought the big battles were good. The art was phenomenal. Uh, Just like huge, big battle scenes, enormous monsters. The scale of it was great. And just individual characterizations like... Uh both Teeny Howard and Jonathan Hickman write a great Iliana. I don't know yes. who specifically was uh, scripting her dialogue, but just super fun throughout this entire event. Just a really good event for her. And uh, it's good stuff. I also, I know Pete's going to disagree with this, but really good Cyclops stuff towards the end here. Yes. And I love the idea of, like, holding Cyclops and Marvel Girl in reserve until the end. And then be like, no fuck you, we're getting in there, we're going to solve this problem, and it really positions them in the place they should be at the lead of the X-Men. So I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I I don't think it was a perfect event by any means, but I had a lot of fun. I had a blast reading it. Uh, Justin, what did you think about it? Uh, (laughs) Pete, we can get your haterade later in a second. Let's get to Justin first. A little more positive. The The
2: hater goes later, is what we've always said. Um... I I agree. This I do like this event. The art across the board is great, um, but yeah, I mean, there it's a weird event. It's a weird as the first big event to have it be so fantastical, have it be so sort of like goofy at points. Um, I agree with you. Like the Cyclops and Jean Grey stuff, it really felt like their ascension at the end of this event is what's important here, and to see them sort of. Outside of just the bureaucracy of the the Quiet Council and maybe they can actually make some moves is exciting. Really establishing them as a family with um, young Cable I think is very cool. Um, Ilyana also stepped up a lot. The Apocalypse fight, uh, I don't know. I thought it was going to be a little bit more about Apocalypse and it felt like just a fight. Um,
1: Yeah, it was like what was that?
2: Like, uh, it's interesting, I mean, we talked about this, we, we sort of predicted this, that, um, excuse me, Araka would be coming through to Krakoa, um, and with it, um, hundreds of mutants, I believe, from Araka. Millions, I think. Millions? millions. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a lot of people um, hanging out <laughs> in, on the Earth, um, which I think, I'm curious how that will affect the continuity. It feels like a lot to add, a continuity that's already pretty wild.
0: Well, I think the thing that that adds, and maybe I'm wrong because who knows what is going on with the X-Men stuff, they is, they could set up that a is coming through and then not deal with it for 30 issues or something, you know? Yeah. But to me, it feels like suddenly mu- millions of mutants show up. You suddenly have a destabilized world situation that is already on the edge because of Krakoa. Uh, when you bring the mutant population up to potentially pre-Genosha levels. Yeah. What does that do? What uh, what nations does that put on alert? And that puts the mutant state in a really, really bad place. As for Apocalypse, the thing that I did like is it ultimately got to this place, even though I feel like we didn't get enough fleshed out about the Annihilation Helmet, the idea that ultimately Apocalypse, A, is fundamentally changed by Krakoa enough that he can surrender, yeah, uh, but also that it is Apocalypse's will that manages to win the day felt like a smart decision, even if it wasn't maybe an action-wise satisfying decision. Pete, I know you're champion at the bit here.
1: Go ahead. Okay, yeah, please. Alright, so explain this to me. Okay, so they had you gotta get your sword, you gotta get to the fight, okay? So then we learned that none of that matters because it's about this helmet that speaks to you and makes you annihilate everything but um. once Apocalypse puts on the helmet, he realizes that he's not going to let a helmet control him, so he'll take a knee, and then that solves everything, and then oh, Apocalypse, you won and okay, I'm going to banish a whole island of people um, great and then Scott Summers uh, and uh, Marvel Girl, who started this kind of whole thing with a bunch of weird meetings through time decided this whole island that they helped create doesn't matter and fuck all y'all because I got to go save my son, which I understand. That's cool. But they had like a whole quiet council meeting and it didn't matter. So it was kind of like this whole but thing that we're trying to do. They threw it all out the window. It, hey, I'm trying to I'm If trying Wolverine to did finish that, here. you would
2: have loved it. And just because it's Scott, you don't like it.
1: Oh, that's a bullshit 100% thing to true. say. No, it's not. Wolverine does that um, every time. I'm just trying to wrap, I'm trying to wrap my head around this whole detour of the X-Men world that we just took and why we did it. And the only thing I can come up with is giant alligators and dragons are cool and fighting with swords would have been cool, but it didn't happen. Uh, we got drinking games and playing softball. um, and, you know, like, you know, people will say that they will get married at the drop of a hat in the X-Men world. The the Cyclops thing, I do think a lot of this is about
0: – a lot of this story so far has been about the X-Men – and we're not supposed to call them the X-Men. The mutants, they specifically stay there, but. There's a whole like the mutants, big parag- sort of scolding a, there's paragraph several. about that. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I don't read the paragraphs. Uh, you should read the paragraphs. They're kind of important. Uh, nope. The uh, the mutants have made this big move to become one mutant state. And from the writing perspective, I think what they've done is how much stress can we put on that? Yeah. How many things can we do to fracture that? And Saturday Night says, by the end, two people have left the Quiet Council. They're going to have to replace it. It's going to be the non-ideal picks. And now, uh, not just Scott Summers leaving with a small team to go save everybody, but Everybody comes with him, which means, yes, it's the Mutants United, but it also means, as it states in those paragraphs, which I do think are really important, uh, they've tried to ditch the X-Men name because it's something that's pre- Krakoa. It's an idea of like it's a moniker taken by Charles Xavier. It's not an example of the lollipop. Yes, lollipop man. Uh, it's not an example of the United Krakoa state. But the fact that Scott Summers is reclaiming this and that everybody's like, yes, we're X-Men. Let's go. It's go time creates this friction there that's only gonna get bigger suddenly once you suddenly have millions of mutants who have been slaves up to this point, who we've never met before suddenly showing up. So it means bad things for the outside world. It also means bad things for Krakoa and Arako. And dramatically, that's a really good place to be putting everybody.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, this run, this crossover feels a lot like um, Chris Claremont-esque. Like mid-Chris I mean, Claremont run, uh, <laughs> where it's like epic stuff that involves things that are sort of far flung from actual X-Men and mutant world stuff, like getting with uh, Lalandra and all that stuff, where it's like continuity heavy, where it's like, wait, what was that about? That I feel like that this will hold a similar place to a lot of that Claremont stuff, especially the otherworldness of it, which I agree with you. I don't love all that. And this whole like Captain, I know Excalibur was the second to last issue so that they'll have an outsized effect on it. But the Captain Britain core and all that, I was like, I don't – this feels like such a side quest that so much of this event landing on that felt like, oh, I don't know about that.
1: Uh, It just – it was just a lot just so uh, Cyclops could have a Jerry Maguire moment of like, who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? What did you think about the part where Cyclops said, show me the money, though? That was pretty cool.
0: That yeah, was cool. that was touching right. It was very And what about touching. Um, yeah,
2: Wolverine yeah. played by Jonathan Lipnicki
1: <laughs> I know he, he, He's too, too tall, he's
0: very too short
1: tall. I don't know he's who a Jonathan tiny. Lipnicki you, is You so.
0: just referenced Jerry Maguire He's the kid He's the little kid that said, did you know the human head weighs oh, 8 pounds Oh, it's the kid yeah. with the spike hair. Yeah. Oh, that's great, yeah, he's got a great uh, arm okay. What would you think about Renee Zelliger playing uh, Jonathan Lipnicki <laughs> Is
2: what I <laughs> Rene playing <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Lipnicki, Lipnicki? Yeah,
0: oh, playing
2: Wolverine. Oh,
0: oh wow. Yeah. With, little, uh, with yeah. a little lemon face.
2: Ooh, yeah, just a
0: the pursed <laughs> lip. Suck out a lemon. I'm the best there is know, it I what I, I do, do and what, what, mm. <laughs> uh, what I do is this little face. I don't know know
1: what what you guys actress, are doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, All right, that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support the show and other shows, we do patreon.com. Wait. Wait. <laughs>
1: Do you guys think this whole thing was worth it for that ending? Like, did you guys didn't feel let down at all by the fact of, like, this fight wasn't a fight? It was just a, I, can we make Apocalypse kneel? And then, like, having Cyclops just ditch everyone because he wanted to go somewhere else?
0: Yeah, I liked it, too. I think uh, there were enough big moments, particularly in these last couple of issues, that I really just... Enjoyed from an artistic, from a big action perspective, literally using the Sword Space Station as a sword to pierce uh, a wormhole and attack these evil armies. Just. The huge armies attacking everybody, the X-Men jumping through directly at the screen, um, the fairy soldiers or whatever it was jumping screen. through. Uh, good stuff. Just like a lot of people like coming from the sky and heading straight towards camera yes. was a lot of fun.
2: And like it's um, its surprising, like a lot of Hickman big storytelling, like you'd never you can't predict it. It's sometimes a little weird and wooly, but it's like in the end, it's really well thought out and smart and um And very difficult to predict, which I like in storytelling in general, especially comic book storytelling.
0: It's also something that, relatively speaking, felt like a complete story, which I don't think we've gotten in a really long time with events. It's usually by the latter half. It's all about setting up what's next. And certainly we get a fair amount of setup. But this started with the story of Otherworld. Ended with the story of Otherworld, and that's what it was in between. You know, it went on a bunch of side trips, but ultimately it all came together that way. And um, that is pleasing to me from a story perspective. It was pleasing, we say. It was pleasing to be. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Crowdcast and uh, YouTube. We would love to talk to you about X of Swords. That's going to be our big topic of conversation over the next, I would say. It's it's 10 of Swords,
1: but there's going to be no fighting. Oh, you're going to love it. It's going to be smart. There's a bunch of fighting. There's going to be a lady who you get confused with the Ice Queen the whole time, but then it's not her, even though it looks exactly like her. But oh, it's going to be great.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Are you being racist towards white blonde women? And teeth?
2: Yes, wow. Karen, I am. This took right. an odd turn at the end.
0: Just like <laughs> the X of Swords. There you go. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app. If you choose to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, uh, check out My Mom's Time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Above the club, I'm above the club. They sit on crappy couches and they let the secrets leak. And occasionally they let their special guests speak. So grab your written hands.